Welcome to Maker Mom, a podcast where I explore the stories of Maker Moms and the life they lead. Each week, I will bring you the behind-the-scenes story of a new Maker Mom. I'm Katie Freeman, a furniture designer and content creator running freemanfurnishings.com and your host of the Maker Mom podcast. You can find Maker Moms hanging out in the Facebook community at Maker Moms and on the web at MakerMomPodcast.com. If you love what you hear, please subscribe, leave a stellar review, and share this out with other Maker Moms you know. Hello, and welcome to episode 25 of the Maker Mom podcast. Today's guest is Diane Thomas with Thomas 10 Projects. She is a wife, mother of eight. I'm going to just pause there. Let that settle in. All right. Mom of eight and a maker, mainly focused on woodworking and making projects for her family and her home. It was a great interview talking with Diane. We cover a broad range of topics from uh, woodworking and and fun things in the shop to getting into content creation and what that all involves, including, you know, some uh, internal struggle uh, type stuff to get over, hurdles to get over, to get into content creation. I think you all will enjoy it. There's a lot of good Uh, tidbits in here. So please uh, enjoy the interview with Diane. Uh, But before I let you get to that, I would like to invite you all to join the Maker Mom podcast tribe on Patreon. So if you want to check that out, go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Maker Mom podcast to check it out. There's all kinds of cool things like stickers and shirts, uh, as well as early access to podcast episodes and monthly online meetups. So go check that out. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash Maker Mom podcast. All right. Without further ado, here's Diane with Thompson's, Thomas 10 Projects. Okay. So- all right, so why don't we just go ahead and get started with, uh, can you give a brief introduction about yourself, uh, what kind of things you like to make, um, a little bit about your kiddos? Sure. Yeah, so I am primarily a woodworker, and I build things for our home, primarily for my family, for our home, and um, I've been doing that for a long time. And we have a a really large family, so I tend to need really unique things to solve problems that come with having a large family. We have eight kids in a blended family. So um, he came with three. I have three from when I was single that I adopted. And then we had twins (laughs) because six wasn't enough, of course. Let's, Let's throw in a set of multiples, huh? So... Yeah, so there's eight of us, so <clears throat> 10 in total, so that's how I came up with my um, business name, Thomas 10 Projects. So okay. awesome. So blended family, mm-hmm. you brought three, he brought three, and then you add two at once. Yes. Yes. So you, like and, uh, <laughs> you, and, you and Char can relate on the, uh, of the Wooden Maven with the whole twins and multiples. 
Yeah. And our twins are the same age too. So it's oh, kind of wow. Fun yeah. 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 That yeah. is really cool. Um, I have twin little sisters that were born when I was almost 17. Um, oh. Yeah. So cool. luckily I did not have twins. Um, <laughs> in fact, I said if I end up pregnant with twins, I will probably cry the entire pregnancy just because I saw it's not easy having two babies the same age at once. And it's not all that. No, it's definitely not. And I had a like a two week period of really heavy heart. Like, how do I do this? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, so far I'm surviving. You can yeah. check in later, but <laughs> so far. <laughs> well, that's what moms do, right? We kind of just, we adjust and go with it because there really is no other option. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. It's about surviving. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. So let's go back a little bit. What was your childhood like? Um, what kind of things were you interested in? What was your family like? Well, I'm also from a large family. There's seven kids in my family. So that's just kind of normal for me, I suppose. Um, my parents are both really creative people in totally different mediums. My father is a metal fabricator and has always been an entrepreneur. But he did woodworking as a hobby. And so I got to learn that as a child. I learned how to scroll saw when I was eight and I made address numbers for our house. And that was really fun. And like he made me a baby cradle. And um, my mother is very creative and talented, but she's more into textiles, quilting and crochet and knitting. And they're both wildly talented. And I think the big thing that I got from them growing up was the mindset that I can make anything I want or need. So if I want something or need something and I would go to them and say, hey, I could use these shelves in my bedroom. They're like, all right, so let's make it. Let's do it. And that's really cool that they, that they taught me that. It wasn't let's go to the store. It's let's go to the workshop. So um, that has definitely influenced me all my life and is how I got to where I do so much for my family now. So, and all my siblings are that way. We're all very, you know, grab it by the horns and see what we can do with this. So, yeah, I know that is like really super cool. And it's kind of awesome. You're getting to basically pass that on to your children too. That's super yeah. awesome. Yes. Yeah. That's the um, biggest joy I would say of being a mom is that I get to give that to them or that's my goal, at least, you know, if they don't have interest, that's fine. But um, I just want them to have that feeling of empowerment that, hey, you know, I can tackle this. And a lot of times it's driven by need instead of just interest. Like, I think that's how I got into it in the first place is that it's not just I have to make everything myself. It's more like, well, built in mudroom lockers are $3,000. I could build it for myself for 200 bucks. So it's just a feasibility thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 The point of having that advantage and that mindset, that's what I hope to give to my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, what order are you in the seven? I am the second oldest. My older brother is quite a bit older. He's 11 years older than me. And then the youngest in our family is 11 years younger than I am. So there's a bit of a spread there, but primarily I was the oldest among the younger ones. And I think I have a lot of the eldest child birth order traits, you know, whatever those stereotypes are. 
So, yeah. So that means you're a rule follower and you always take charge, right? Yes, (laughs) ma'am. Yes, I am a rule follower and I like to take charge. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Let me figure it out. That's right. Um, All right. So, okay. So obviously you got your start, you know, kind of the woodworking um, when you were definitely young. Did you get to, did your mom uh, get you into some of the textiles and that type of uh, crafting and making too. Yeah, mm-hmm, definitely. Yeah. I learned all of the skills, um, that she has. I'm just, um, I can cross stitch and crochet and knit and sew and quilt and I've done all of them and I've made all of the things with the things, <laughs> but I'm definitely more drawn to woodworking. So I have a baseline skill set. My mother could sew circles around me, but I do know how, um, but yeah, woodworking and I'm not, you know, my father's into metal fabricating and welding and all that and never say never, but right now it's not as interesting as wood. Mm-hmm. Yep. So how long would you say then, um, I guess, how long have you been a maker as an adult? I would say a, a distinct period of making has been the last like four or five years when I moved to Georgia. So I'm from Washington state. That's where I was raised and grew up and I moved to Georgia to be with my husband and um, houses here in Georgia are tremendously larger than houses in Washington state so I get here and I'm like this is a mansion this thing is huge and I had an overnight vision of a thousand things I wanted to do with this house and um, that's when I was like I gotta hunker down I gotta let's start doing some fun stuff so um that was five years ago that I got here and I started with nothing. I had no, I had no tools of my own because I'd always been able to borrow my dad's cause he was close by. But now, you know, being across the country from him, I had to start from scratch. So my first tool I bought was a circular saw and I cut plywood on the ground held up by some bricks <laughs> to make some shelves. And, um, I just one project at a time started accumulating tools to where it was, it wasn't a, I have them if I need them, it's what am I going to build next? So it was nonstop from there. Awesome. So what was your first, what was your first project you tackled at home? So it was this closet that was kind of placed right in the center of our house. It had a closet rod in it, but I don't know why people would use it as a coat closet. It was randomly placed. And so I decided to take it over, turn it into a craft closet. I'm a creative person and I like to do creative stuff with my kids. So it needed to be utilized far more efficiently. So I built floor to ceiling shelves that were U-shaped and they had a perfect little nook so I could get a sliding cart in and out to take our stuff to the table. And it was custom made for everything we use and need. And I was so stinking proud of that thing. I sent pictures to my family in Washington. Look what I made. And uh, that was very satisfying. With a circular saw. That's it. <laughs> it was a little rough and bumpy at first. But. Right. Yeah, no. Um, but it sounds like, I mean, you kind of probably gained that confidence and that I can just figure it out and do it. Sounds like from your childhood, right? Like, because you had exposure to all of that stuff. Right. I had no question that I could or should. It was, um, I guess it was just the first time doing it by myself on the other end of the country with my own everything, my own tools. 
Mm-hmm. So I wasn't afraid and I knew I could do it. It was more just, I don't know. I just felt like a, I was a big girl now. <laughs> right. Yeah. So um, do you do this as a business at all? Do you blog or um, do content do. creation around it? I do both. So I, I build things on the side that actually happened accidentally. I built these tapered planters that were beautiful, measured very carefully for the space they were going in. But once I put them in place, they just didn't feel right. I was frustrated that I'd wasted my time. So I thought I'd try and recoup a bit, posted them for sale on Facebook and my phone blew up. I think the entire community and their dog wanted to pair these planters. So I'm like, honey, I'm going to do this. So I just start knocking these puppies out. I sold so many. I don't, I think I forgot the names of all of my children that summer. And uh, <laughs> but it was, it was very gratifying to be able to, um, to be able to make something that so many people wanted. They were beautiful. I was very proud of them and it made quite a bit of money. And so I was able to really expand my uh, tool collection and really improve my workshop variety. And of course, that opens up all the doors. Then, then I could do anything then if you have the proper equipment. Um, and so, of course, I started taking on more complex jobs and more and more people were like, this is great stuff. Like, how do you know how to do this? It's so interesting. You should have a blog. You should be on TV. You should be all these things. And I was always like, you're, you're crazy. You know, I'm just, I'm just making stuff that I need and want. But thank you. That was very nice of you to say. <laughs> but the more and more I thought of it, um, I continue to build things to sell to make the money to fund new tools and new projects because they're not always a necessity. Sometimes they're just for fun or just for pretty decorations for my home. And it's hard to justify yanking money out of the family budget for that. So um, it would be nice to create a little income stream on the side. So yes, I build things. And then now I'm also a newborn content creator. I started a blog last half of last year, and I'm not kidding when I say a newborn. I'm so shy. It's hard to um, spread my wings with this, but I'm doing it, and it's a whole new skill set to do content creation, video, lighting, equipment, camera, video editing, oh my word. <laughs> it's like... It's, it's like having a double major. You have to be the woodworker and have the actual content, but then you got to know what to do with it once the stuff's made. So it's, it's, it was really daunting and intimidating, but, um, but I'm doing it. I'm excited. WorkbenchCon was amazing. Oh my goodness. Like 500 light bulbs went off when I was there. So, so I'm in there. I'm getting it. I'm doing it, but I'm a newborn. (laughs) (laughs) That's okay. You know what? I've been doing, I kind of started my own my furniture business and the content creation pretty much at the same time like I might have built like one project before I decided that I was gonna you know do some content around it too and I used the content basically to to try to drive my visibility for my furniture business um but now that's becoming like its own income stream as well um oh yeah Anyways, what I'm getting at is I probably I've been doing that for two years and I would still consider myself very much a newborn as well because Okay, good. <laughs> let's face it, I mean all of this Yeah, all of this stuff, especially the social media stuff, is changing 
constantly. And yeah. if you're not like on top of it all the time, um, it can definitely be something that gets hard to chase after a while. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like drawing personal boundaries. It, like just how much do I want to be present? You know, cause you could do one video post on Instagram a week. You could do one a day. You could do two a day. You could do one a month. You could, you have to choose your own volume and your own attentiveness and, you know, I'm kind of bouncing around a little bit trying to get my feel for what's realistic and what can I follow through on and what's not too much of a compromise to all of the 500 other things I'm juggling. So, but yeah, it's, it's a fun challenge, but it's definitely the most intimidating thing. I've t it's way harder than woodworking, <laughs> which has been natural for me my whole life, but yeah. Yeah. And I would say that, you know, I think the outside world underestimates uh, the amount of work <laughs> that goes oh, behind content yes. creation. Yes. Um, <laughs> oh, my word, um, yes. <laughs> I mean, just for one project, like you said, the woodworking is easy, right? Like the project itself, the actual making is maybe, maybe a quarter <laughs> of the entire yeah. everything else that you do. Yes. Yeah, yeah I was going <laughs> to say that. One of my biggest takeaways from from WorkbenchCon, I need to spend more time on my computer. You know, yeah. it wasn't table saw or, you know, miter saw or hand planing. It was computer. I need to be on my computer more. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But like you said, it's about finding that balance that works right for you and your family, right? Yeah. Um, so we're, we're, I'm going to take this, I guess, into kind of two steps. So it sounds like, you know, it was kind of an easy decision for you once you got that initial like um, blast from everybody liking those planters. It seemed mm -hmm. sounded like to me, it seemed like a natural transition to you to go into like making and selling things. Mm -hmm. Is that pretty accurate? Yeah. 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 It's, um, it's, it's, just, it's a selfish motive. It's just enough so I can buy my next tool. <laughs> <laughs> It's not like I live to make things for other people. I'm far too selfish for that. I want to make things for my family and for us to enjoy. So it's hard to make something, put my heart into it, make it beautiful, and then watch it walk away. Right. Even funny. Yeah. Yeah. So um, was there any part of that, though, like taking that step into like, you know, making stuff for other people for money? Was any of that like... Did you have any hesitancy or was there any intimidation there of turning it into a business? Uh, the, the nature of how it came to be made that automatic for me. It's um, so many people wanted it that that, it, that part was easy. What was hard was negotiating. Um, I relied on my husband for that because that's way too hard because I put a lot of time into it and um, just, it's not just that it took me, you know, 45 minutes to do this or that. It's also that I have hundreds, if not thousands of dollars of equipment and years of experience that got me to where I'm able to do it in only 30 or 45 minutes. So it was really hard for me to come up with a price. Oh, it was hard. And then um, I was... I was always either hot or cold. I was either like, we need to charge way more money for this because I knew I had worked so hard or I would be really insecure. Like, who am I? What, who says that I'm, I know what I'm doing? 
And then I would way undercut it. And then my husband's like, Diane, you cannot just give things away. So I was all, I was all over the place. So the decision to go into business and to sell things was easy. It was almost, it almost happened to me, but making decisions and pricing and managing people, that was hard. That was hard. And, and thankfully my husband held my hand through that and you know, he's very even keel. He's a project manager. He's, he's able to say, no, you know, we can do 80, but we're not going to do 70. And so I'm like, really? Okay. And I just, I just did what I was told <laughs> because, you know, all I did was answer his questions. How much time did it take? What equipment? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But going into business, my father always said a job is just trading your time for money. So being an entrepreneur was a very welcome idea. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. Um, so do you feel like you still struggle a little bit with the whole pricing and figuring that out? Or have you kind of overcome yeah. that hurdle? You still do? No, I have. I still do. Um, with, with things that I do in mass production, it's a little easier because when I get like a thousand replies, then I know I was too cheap or too low priced. And when I sit out there and then the crickets just chirp, then I know I was too, too high. So the Facebook marketplace lets me kind of massage it to where I know I get just enough orders where I can keep up with it and I make good money. Um, my husband has prompted me to have a booth at craft fairs. And so we've done that a few times. And again, it's not my ultimate goal to have a retail, you know, position, but it is a way for me to fund the cool things we want to do for ourselves. And that is 10 times harder because I'm just standing there vulnerable, avoiding eye contact. <laughs> like, please don't ask me to, please don't ask me to talk price. My husband just steps, I'm, I'm a total wiener. I'm just like, I'll just make it. Can I just make the stuff? And then I'll hide behind the curtain, you know? So I always just, feel like when I do like pop-up shops, like I kind of want to hide too, just because I'm like, I feel like I'm like a stalker just standing there watching somebody yeah. look at my stuff. <laughs> and I just yeah. want to be like, uh, excuse me, I'll be over here if you have any questions or whatever. Right. But, right. Uh, Articles yeah. say, don't just sit there, you know, act interested, but I don't want to be like a, one of those people that pounce on you. I feel yeah. like I'm either always talking too much or not enough. Like it's never, yeah. I mean, clearly <laughs> I have issues about it. <laughs> That's okay, though. Um, have you guys worked out together when you're talking pricing? This is kind of my own, uh, just my own curiosity here. But like, it sounds like with him asking you questions about time and stuff, have you guys put together any kind of template or anything so you can just plug numbers in and spit out, okay, this is how much it should be? Yeah, he's um, the raw material cost is, is easy math for me. I'm very tuned into the numbers of that. He's pretty hard on me to pay more attention to my time mm -hmm. because I'm, I'm a pretty scattered person in a, and I think of it as a good thing. Like it's my creative juices flowing and I'll have many things going on at once. And when something is drying or the glue is gluing up or, or I got to wait for the next time I go to the store, like I'll start something else or I squeeze something else in there. And, and so he'll say, well, how long did it take you? I'm like, well, it's been in my workshop for three days, but, but you weren't actively working on it. Minutes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it takes, you know, just a few minutes to stain it and just a few minutes to, 
I mean, depending of course on what it is, but that's hard for me to, to isolate the, the amount of time spent on one thing. And I, you know, if you, if you take one sheet of plywood and you cut it into 12 pieces, well, I don't know. It's complicated, but yeah, he's, he's pretty hard on me. He's, he, in a very good way, he, he'll say, he gives me tips to like pull it and piece it together. And so I feel pretty confident that I can say this was an hour start to finish my time, you know? And so, you know, it was kind of a, a clumsy learning curve to where I was able to answer that question. But now all I'm thinking about as I'm working on it is I'm watching my clock and I'm, so yeah, it's materials and then time. And then um, to put a number to the time, that's always hard, always hard because like sometimes I'll make signs and signs are a very popular thing, but they're not that complicated. It's not, it's not a really complex woodworking thing. So I don't feel justified in charging higher prices than I would if it was a, like this chandelier thing I just built, you know? So I don't, I don't believe in just a flat hourly rate because if you can go to stinking Hobby Lobby, man, they kill me. <laughs> you know, if you can go buy the same thing there, there's no way they would pay me 20% more. So, okay. But here's where I'm going to stop you. And I'm going to say, girl, <laughs> <laughs> they could go to Hobby Lobby and buy that sign. Maybe, but you put your hard work into it. Even if it wasn't a complicated project, it's handmade and people yeah. should understand that handmade is going to be worth something more than something that came off of a factory line somewhere. Right. There's right. You're not a factory. A, you're not going to be able to spit out 20 signs a second. You're, <laughs> you know, it's going to yeah. take you some time. And your time is valuable because it's time away yeah. from your family. It's time away from your own projects. It's time right. away from a lot of things. So I'm going to tell you, stop that. And start, <laughs> not, and start valuing oh your gosh. time. It's like you're my husband. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think a piece of it too, that I need to remember is that I need to educate them too, because, you know, Hobby Lobby may have like a staple in all four corners to hold the frame on. But if I, you know, I know mine is better built. I know it is. Does it, does it matter if it's just hanging on the wall? I don't know, but it is better quality. I guarantee it. And um, I think that's why I'm drawn to more complicated projects. Cause then it's obvious like, man, this took some skill and time and I could never make that myself. So there's a little bit more gratification and stuff like that for me personally. No, I understand that. I mean, and, and yes, I say value yourself, but you know, I'm going to be honest and transparent. I do similar stuff if it's a smaller project um, that didn't take maybe some of my more complicated uh, skills to create it, then I'm, mm -hmm. I'm going to charge less time. Um, so that's something that I have to have a, I have a conversation with myself on too, because I also think, um, if eventually someday I'm trying to pay the bills with this, then I need to uh, think yeah. like a businesswoman and not, right. you know, just as a like, oh, everybody should get to have this awesome whatever. And I'm, you know, <laughs> trying to be too nice yeah. about it. <laughs> Give away the farm. Yeah. That's right. Give away the farm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think, you know, maybe, maybe next year's Workbench Con, I'm putting this out, you know, in the universe and, 
saying maybe they can have some classes on negotiation because I think um, that's a skill that I know I'm constantly struggling with and trying to learn. And it sounds like, you know, it's something you as well could really uh, find value in. So I think that would be an awesome class to have. Excellent suggestion. I stuck in that motion. (laughs) Come on, universe. That's right. Come on, universe. (laughs) Today's podcast episode is brought to you by HomeRight. HomeRight's spray shelters are great for DIY and woodworking projects alike. Each spray shelter has a different design and size. The small shelter is a pop-up shelter that easily fits on a countertop or workbench and works great for small crafting projects. It also comes with an airflow option with straps to attach a filter and fan that are sold separately, which works really well for collecting dust. The medium shelter is a pop-up shelter that can sit on the ground and is tall enough to stand inside, and it works well for small to medium furniture pieces. The large shelter is a tent-like structure that sets up with poles and can easily be positioned in a garage or lawn with a drop cloth and works well for big furniture and woodworking projects. The best part is you can use any of these shelters to spray indoors or in a garage. Um, okay, so we've talked making now the content creation. Um, you know, you said you thought about it a while and, and kind of made that move there. Um, is the content creation like are you ma- is that a part of your business plan as well like looking at monetizing oh, yeah. that okay yeah um so it sounded like there was hesitancy and going down that route <laughs> so can you share a little bit more like what what kept you from kind of taking that leap right away and getting into the content side of things yeah um i think i think like from a business sense it's Absolutely a good idea, no question, no doubt. Um, I think that I have an interesting story, just the the sheer size of my family and the kind of unique way we all came to be. And, you know, that's kind of fun. And then the stuff that I make is unique because it's for, it's custom made for our our family. So it's, it's interesting stuff. Like, I feel pretty confident about that. The part that's difficult is just the human side, my personal insecurities about being vulnerable and putting my heart out to the world. You know, everybody knows about trolls. Everyone knows. I mean, there, there are heartless, mean comments that can happen. And I'm just a big old softy. Like that stuff's hard for me. So when I put my heart and soul in a project and then to get it chewed up and spit out by somebody would be hard for me. So the, the delay that's, been going on since I first knew it was a good idea to when I finally started taking action was all because I had to wrap my brain around, you know what? They're just trolls. They're just some bored person sitting in their underwear at a computer saying mean things for entertainment. You know, it's not. And, you know, they say, you know, you develop a thick skin, but I don't really believe that because I talked to some people at WorkbenchCon that are seasoned, experienced people, and they say that they still sting and it still sucks sometimes but you just keep going you know it's not enough to stop you and take away these possibilities and opportunities and don't let them rob you of this chance so that's where I am today not letting them rob me (laughs) so um so that was the biggest thing the biggest hurdle to take the leap 
Um, and then the next was just the head knowledge of editing video and creating a website. My brother saved my bacon by helping me with my website. I tried three times by myself. I consider myself a fairly intelligent woman. Could not figure it out. Oh my goodness. So he saved me because he's my hero. And so my website's up. I'm learning video editing. It's just hard. It's like a, it's a whole nother skill set. So it's like a double, double whammy, the fear of it. And then the skills I had to learn quickly and painfully. (laughs) Yeah. And, and I don't want you to feel alone either with the the troll thing. Um, Especially as women, I, I don't think, uh, I don't think the male makers get as much trolling as the women makers do. And I would say, or as much inappropriate trolling. Um, yeah. I would be okay if somebody was just being like, well, I wouldn't do it that way. Cause I'm kind yeah. of like, well, okay, you wouldn't do it that way. <laughs> you know, you're right. allowed to do it whatever way you want to do it. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, but when people get personal, I, I've only had one really serious trolling event where, you know, somebody called me the C word and, and went through all my accounts and it was, it really hit me hard. I was, I'm not going to lie. Like I was really kind of devastated for a while and so much so that I really wanted to be like, that's it. I'm not going on social media anymore. Right. I'm like done. Um, I really, but then somebody suggested I don't know if you know who Lindy West is um but she's kind of a a big uh like writer and stuff and she has a book or had a um that's been out for a while called Shrill S-H-R-I-L-L um and I listened to it and she's just kind of funny and humorous anyways but uh there's one whole section um because she's like out there in the public eye she writes um for like this american life and stuff like that so she's kind of out there and she gets trolled all the time like all the time and um so she tells a story about one that was extremely difficult to deal with and she actually confronted the troll for the first time ever and he ended up apologizing um and so it's a really great story and just a really um I learned a lot from it and I kind of just was like, you know, she deals with hundreds, sometimes thousands of things like that a day. And if she can do that, like, you know, I can deal with this one person who clearly is somebody that is in their own pain or in their own something that they feel like that's, you know, okay for them to do and kind of just move on with it. So I would recommend that book and, um, so special. Shrill. Yep. Especially the part about dealing with the troll. I think it was helpful, especially to hear it um, from a woman's perspective. Um, Nice. Thank you. Yeah. Exactly what I need to hear. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, All right. So, um, and then as far as the head knowledge stuff, yeah, like I said, there's so much to learn. So, you know, give yourself, I would say, give yourself space and time to just learn that stuff and go through it you know um, thank you to hear you say that yeah. yeah um you don't have to learn it overnight right I mean <laughs> this you really don't <laughs> <laughs> sure <laughs> That's so much pressure right I just feel like 
Yeah. Yeah. There's people that have never even started yet and want to. And all I see are the people that have been doing it for so long and are wicked fast and wildly talented. And so you don't see the people that haven't started because they haven't started. So <laughs> true. Yeah. But you also don't see what's going on in the background of those that we see who are wildly successful. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. You don't see that, um, you know, especially some of the bigger uh, like YouTubers and stuff like they're at a point now that they have a team of people who are right. helping them do this stuff. That's what I need. <laughs> exactly. It's not just them doing it anymore. Right. So you didn't, yes. you didn't, we didn't know them during the years that they struggled. We know them yeah. now because they're past that. So just Good. remember at one point in time, they were in our shoes going, okay, how do I do this? Um, just for, just for example, today my, my video editing software decided that it needed a new big update. And now like none of the buttons are in the same place as the old version. And so I'm like working on it. I was like, oh, and I was in the middle of, <laughs> I was in the middle of a video, you know, putting together a video for YouTube and it didn't save the project to the new version. Like, so I can't, I have to start all over from, from where I was at. No, no, I know. I'm just like, okay, okay. No, I'd be self. like, and I quit. I'm out of here. <laughs> Mine's just a note to self. Next time an upgrade is ready, wait until you're done with the current project before okay, you do that. That's wise. <laughs> that is wise. That is now a lesson I have had to learn. <laughs> Dang lessons. I know. All right, so let's talk shop a little bit. Okay. okay. So, <laughs> sounds like you've got some cool tools going on. So what is your favorite, like, go-to, you know, that's the tool you always like to start with type thing? Uh, my miter saw. I know it's not that glamorous, but it's special because it was my first big purchase. And I have a compound miter saw, so it cuts a bit more than the standard. And I feel the least afraid of it. And yes, I'll admit I have fear of most of my tools, but I think it's a good kind, the healthy kind that keeps my digits in place. Um, I don't feel as afraid on the miter saw and I feel like I could do so many projects with only it. And I did for a long time. So yeah, that's my, she's my girl. We go way back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it, I'm surprised that so many of these maker moms that miter saw is like the first, like that's their favorite. Yeah, that's cool. Interesting. And it, it's one of mine too. And um, and I know for the people who are listening, they've heard me say it before, but I um, I still don't have a table saw. I have a miter saw and a bandsaw, and that's pretty much how I rip all of my <laughs> materials do down. A lot you with those two. Exactly. Yes. All right. So exactly. Um, okay. So that's your go-to. Uh, is there anything still you have like on a list that you're just dying to get in your shop? Dust collection. <laughs> the unsung hero of sanity control. Yeah. I actually got one for Christmas from my husband, but then we quickly decided to, it was the wall mounted kind with the bag that hangs under it. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to skip this step. I want to go straight for the full um, separate filter and bag. And, but then um, also to install that, you really need to commit to your layout in your shop because running that PVC pipe, you know, you got to commit. You don't want to keep on rerunning that stuff. So I have 
big dreams for my workshop and some big things I want to build. I want to build Jay Bates Mitersaw Station, which is like the ultimate piece of furniture. Huge, expensive build. Can't wait. But until I'm there, you know, I don't really want to run my desk collection. So I feel like my whole life is this series of domino problems where I can't do that till I do this, but I can't do this until I do those. And I'm not doing those until I buy that thing. And there I sit waiting <laughs> for dominoes. But yeah, so I'm, I'm excited for dust collection. Um, Tool-wise, though, to give a more fair answer, um, I'm lucky enough to have pretty much all of the standard tools. Um, I really want to get into more um, specialty woodwork thing so I think more just like little jigs and stuff I really want to I've never done dovetails really want to know it's on my woodworkers bucket list um yeah little jigs hand planes small things but I got all the big stuff already which is primarily where, where I'm at I'm not going to morph into a fine woodworker anytime soon that would just be for fun on the side tinkering yeah yeah um yeah I'm not I haven't made a lot of jigs either i actually just made my first, I guess you would call it a jig, just um, like a month ago. I'm uh, My planer decided, the motor decided to blow on my 12-inch uh, planer, I know. <laughs> and I was like against a hard deadline, and so I was like, all right, I guess now I have to, um, you know, but I have a router, so I'm like, okay, I got to make a router sled uh, to flatten out Oh, pieces of wood. Okay, yeah, good call. So I did that, that's a lot of work. and that's yeah that <clears throat> that was very intimidating. But you you know, as with everything else, if you have a hard deadline, it will push you through that intimidation <laughs> to get uh, yeah. stuff done. But it was it's yeah. still so one of those things. Made the sled. Yeah, yeah, I made the whole sled and the rails and the whole you know thing. So I just put the sled. I, mean, I guess down. that's a jig. I guess. I mean, that's like its own tool. Yeah. That's awesome. Good yeah. You. Of course not yeah. intimidating. That's big. Yeah. Awesome. So that's one of those things that's like now I can still like walk in the shop and just be like, I made that. Like, you know, it's a totally, that's right. It's like, a, it's a total like shop tool thing, not something like any client or anything's ever going to see, but it's still yeah. like I made it and it works and it actually is better because it's wider than my 12 inch, you know, planer was. And so now I can do like bigger slab things than I could do before. So I'm excited about that. So will you use it instead of your planer for things that could fit in your planer once you replace or fix? Um, or is that just big? I mean, probably eventually, yeah, I do want to replace like the planer. But honestly, it's helpful too because I don't have a joiner. And so, like, I was always stuck, you know, having to buy, like, at least S2 grade, um, you know, lumber if I wanted to do, like, a bigger build because I needed at least one surface to be completely flat since I don't have a joiner. And, yeah. and I've always been kind of like, okay, you know, like, um, Brad Rodriguez says, like, buy once, cry once. And so... I don't want to buy a six inch planer when most of the things I do are much wider. So right. I'm like, I want to buy the 16 inch grizzly planer. That's like $5,000. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. And I also, I'm like, you know, it, I was stuck buying uh, more expensive lumber. Um, if I was going to do that stuff, I tend to do more slab work and more mm, I guess artistic stuff because I do a lot of carving with um, angle grinders and stuff too. Right. So, yeah, I've yeah. seen you. Yeah. So um, to me, it opened up like I can even wanting to replace the planer, like this will allow me to buy materials a little bit cheaper because I can joint one side now and put it through the planer and trust that it's going to be flat. Um, and it's an investment. Yeah, exactly. And, and I can do wider slabs, you know, I think I can do up to, I think it's it's built for up to 24 inches wide. So yeah. So that's really, I know. And I, and I have some big builds coming up like, dining room tables and that kind of stuff. So it would be nice to be able to use that for sure. Make me drool on my microphone. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. You know, I misspoke. I am dreaming of one tool and that's a saw stop table saw. Oh, yes. You have a table saw. So that's why I was kind of like, well, I kind of already have everything, but I want, I want a saw stop. I want it badly Mm -hmm. and I want a big one. So that's where I'm going to cry once. I'm going to get the biggest one. Yeah. So I actually cut my finger on a on a previous table saw. So I'm really, that's my most fearful tool. I'm mm-hmm. I'm very reverent around it, and it's 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 a very good tool. It does magical things, but it's it's the scariest. I'm with you there too. So that's the same thing. I haven't bought a table saw because again, I want a saw stop. I want like go girl. <laughs> I on. want the best. So I'm like yeah. I will make do. Um, Luckily yeah. for me, though, I had I have a um, apprentice working with me, and like for her birthday, her dad bought her a saw stop, and so I'm like, okay, so we're going over to your house when it is time to uh, mill up lumber and use your saw stop because <laughs> <laughs> I get to use somebody else's. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, that that's cool. I don't have any local woodworking friends, so that's so, handy. Nice. You're in Georgia, right? Yes. Okay. Are you in Atlanta or outside of Atlanta? I'm close. I'm about 40 minutes from the city I drove in for workbench. Okay. So do you um, ever go in and use access to that same makerspace that um, Char works out of? No, no. Um, I think that would be a really cool thing to check out. Like I'm, I'm pretty well set up here to where I don't have a strong thirst to get out like I my needs are met so nothing's propelling me out there but then I see little videos that she posts I'm like now just a second here that looks way too fun so I should go check it out it definitely looks awesome but of course then I'll probably come back all jealous and discontent (laughs) and so I don't know no promises and your your must-have tool list will grow right if you go yes it's like that yeah yes Okay, so here's here's the question that I think we all really need to know. You are a mom of eight. You are a maker and now content creator. How do you manage all of that without losing your mind? Well, it's a perfect formula. I have it rationed into three-minute increments. No, I'm just kidding. I have no clue. I am winging this. I don't know. I am the wrong person to ask. I'm not sh- I, yeah. Hmm. 
I, I come up with new ideas all the time on how to do it better. Like maybe I'll do all my woodworking on this day and I'll do all my chores on this other day. And then a kid gets sick and then I go to the doctor and then I realize I never got bread when I got my groceries. So I have to go back. It's a thankless mayhem. It's how I do it. That's how it's all stolen moments in the workshop and I'll just quick put on another coat and then I'll come back inside and turn my chicken. <laughs> you know, it's like, and, um, uh, I've, I'm, I'm at a pretty sweet spot in the ages of my kids where they're finally a lot more independent. The youngest are four, but then I have lots of older ones to kind of help out. So I'm not, you know, changing diapers and spooning baby food. So that's a bit easier. Um, but I get overwhelmed. I get burnt out. I really do. I have, I have times when I do none of the above and I just say, I need to go and breathe somewhere. So, you know, I don't feel like I'm a good reference. I have kept them all alive, safe and sound. So that's to my credit, but um, <laughs> and they seem happy. They're great kids, you know, but I do not feel, I, I don't know. I love asking other moms, how do you do that? How do you do this? And then they always throw it back at me and they're like, how do you do it? You have so many more kids. And I'm like, uh, uh, well, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I would love to hear a great answer on that, but it's just one day at a time. I just steal moments here and there. I think that's the perfect answer. I can't, I just read it somewhere and I don't remember where I read it, but the question was asked, um, are the kids alive? Yes. Are you alive? Yes. Then you are doing fantastic. Awesome. <laughs> the only thing that you need to worry about, right? Right. Yeah, I'm good at this thing. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, what do you feel like is your like favorite part about being a maker? Oh, I feel magical. I feel, I feel like I take ugly things, raw, ugly, neglected, dirty things, and I put a little bit of my mind and my time and my hands, and I do things to them, and I create magic, I feel. Like, I turn it into this totally different looking, acting, behaving thing that people and is functional or helpful or beautiful. I just feel magical. It, it's just the biggest high. <laughs> I love it very much. <laughs> um, so in my house right now, I have, I have a almost six-year-old and a three-year-old who are both huge into unicorns and everything mm. magical about them. So perhaps all of us maker moms should start wearing like unicorn horns in the shop to show just how magical we are. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> that is what I'm saying. Yes, sprinkle dust out there. That's right. That's right. <laughs> What's your favorite part about being a mom? And you've come to momhood or motherhood through pretty much every avenue possible of becoming a mom. <laughs> uh, let's see. My favorite part. I would say. Um, it terrifies me and gives me great joy all at the same time. And that's just how much influence I have over them. Um, I'm really scared I'm going to mess it up. But at the same time, when I see 
when I see them take charge of um, like, I'm going to make this or I'm going to do that or I have this great idea, let's go do this. And I see this, you know, strength in them and vision and um, or my sense of humor, like when they start, we crack the same kind of jokes or like just seeing the influence I have on them, you know, such a joy, so gratifying. But like, it's, it's terrifying because I could mess it up. I could, you know, I could give them some of my bad habits too. I don't know. But um, I love that. I love that. You're just any of the bad habits. You're just securing a therapist job in the future. Just look at it that way. I'm doing my part for society. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> the economy going 20 years in the future. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you feel like is the uh, biggest challenge or maybe the biggest hurdle that you've had to face uh, being a maker and an entrepreneur in kind of a traditionally male dominated field? Oh yeah. Um, well, I definitely, it's definitely different being female. That's for sure. I think the biggest way I experienced that is in the stores. Um, I don't know how many men I've had to explain myself to. I have to work really hard to convince them that I do want this dowel jig, not a Craig jig. Yes, I know what a Craig jig is. Yes, I already have one. Yes, I know what it does. No, I want dowels. I'm doing a dowel joinery this time. And um, they just talk down to me a bit. They just assume I'm, oh my goodness. I don't know how many times they'll say, so what's your husband working on? Why? So you're getting him some new, uh, new belt sanding blades. Is he sanding something cool? <laughs> it's like, you know, I, I'm just, I'm still friendly through it, but I'm like, it's me. I'm doing it. I'm buying these. I'm here. This person in front of you, don't you see how bad my manicure is? I'm doing the building. <laughs> so, um, but the cool thing about this woodworking community on social media, though, is that I don't see any of that. In fact, I see the opposite. The men in on Instagram or YouTube or whatever that I've at least witnessed and watch and enjoy, you know, the entertaining stuff they do, they're very empowering, very kind, very supportive. Um, I would say the most entertaining piece about this, you know, basically male-dominated industry is you know, I sell a lot of my stuff on Facebook and forever. My profile picture is a picture from my wedding day. So it's both my husband and myself. And without fail, when people come to pick up their planter or garden box or whatever, I'll answer the door because I'm expecting them. It's my sale. And they say, oh, can we talk to your husband, please? And I'll be like, oh, no, I'm going to help you. And they're like, oh, is he not here? We kind of wanted to meet him. I'm like, well, I'm the one that built it for you. So I thought maybe we could meet. And they're like, you built it. And then I open my garage door to get the, you know, the planters or whatever. And they're like, is this yours? This is your workshop. Oh my goodness. You know how to use all those things. And so I'm kind because obviously I want to make the sale, but also I just want to be a friendly person and just kind of let them kind of catch up mentally to where. I could actually be a person that's female and does these things. So 
then they catch up. And then a lot of times they're the ones that say things like, you should have a blog. You should be on, you guys should have your own TV show. You, this is so crazy and awesome. And you have kids. <laughs> so yeah, they're not expecting the female in that picture. <laughs> yeah. Um, and unfortunately you're not the first maker mom to tell me that, <laughs> that you know, people come to the door and ask for a husband. Um, but hopefully it feels like maybe the tides are changing and there's more and more women out there making and more and more women out there making in the media, right. On Instagram and YouTube and even television, um, even HGTV, yeah. more women makers, you know, kind of in the background. So, yeah, I think hopefully <laughs> times yeah. are changing and, um, yeah. and I was glad to see as many women makers at workbench con. Uh, this year as there was. Yeah. Yeah. It was super fun. So I'm just, I didn't even realize how many females there were. And I know not even all of them got to be in the picture, but there were still, it was a really impactful moment to see, you know, it's not like we are trying to be better or take over, but we just want to play too. That's all. That's right. I just want to cut things too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, what do you hope, uh, and you've kind of touched on it a little bit, but what do you hope that your um, kids learn from watching you be a maker and an entrepreneur? Um, I, I, want, um, I want their create, creativity, their creative juices to flow freely. And it's already, it's already happening, but um, that's, that's the biggest goal is that my kids and not even necessarily do what I do. Like my son somehow came across Alex Steele by himself, the blacksmith guy. And, um, he wants his own forge. He wants to make his own knives. He wants to, um, he wants to make all, all the things out of whatever you make in a forge. <laughs> and, uh, I don't do that, but my son knows that, that's within reach. He just needs to get the right equipment and learn the, the skills. And so maybe I'm taking credit that I don't deserve, but I feel joy that maybe I had an impact on him to where he feels like, Hey, that's cool. I could do that. Oh, would you Hi. like to my little <laughs> Now time's done. <laughs> yep. Now time's done. That's okay. Hi guys. <laughs> You guys are cutie patooties back there. <laughs> it bodes well for them. <laughs> yes, yes, it does. I know that too. My daughter's cutie patootie as well. Hmm. Okay. Well, the good news is, is we're almost done. So um, right. what kind of advice would you give or uh, words of wisdom would you want to give to another mom who uh, wants to tackle a new skill like making DIY crafting and is hesitant to get started? Um, the thing I would say, and that has been most beneficial when said to me is it is scary, but do it anyway. Just do it. Just start, start a little bit, start small. You don't have to buy $5,000 worth of tools. Just get just the basics. It's okay to be scared, but don't let it stop you. Just do it anyway. And that's with woodworking, with content creation, with anything. Just do it. It's going to be a little bit messy. And if you just wrap your brain around that, it's not going to be perfect. Then you'll start. And that's the hardest part. Once you've started, then, then you're on fire. 
So just don't let it stop you. It did that for me. And I'm really frustrated with myself that I allowed that for as long as I did. So don't let it stop you. I think those are great words of advice. All right, Dan, how can people find out more about you? Where can uh, people go to follow along with you? So I'm on Instagram as Thomas10Projects. I have a website called Thomas10Projects.com. And I have a backlog of YouTube videos that have never been posted. So I need to go out and create a YouTube account called Thomas 10 Projects. If somebody beats it to me, I will be very disappointed in them. <laughs> I need to get on that and secure that name. But um, she's coming. I'm coming. Awesome. And I will include um, Instagram and your website in the show notes uh, for the episode so people can click on that and follow along with you. And if you happen to secure that name on YouTube before then, I will also include that so people can uh, look that up and get subscribed. Yes, I will do that. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Diane, for taking uh, the time to talk with me today. I really enjoyed our conversation. Likewise. Me too, Katie. Thank you so much. This is a great honor. Yes, you're welcome. All right. So again, that was Diane Thomas of Thomas 10 Projects. I will include all the links uh, for you to follow along with Diane in the show notes. If you want to check those out, you can go to www.makermompodcast.com. Currently, that will redirect you to Freeman Furnishings website. But in the upper left-hand corner, right there on the homepage, just hit podcast, and that will take you to the show notes for today's episode, as well as any of the past episodes. I will also include a link to today's sponsorship, um, brand sponsorship, which is HomeRite. I will include a link for you to check out their spray shelters. I use them in my shop. Um, And I really enjoy working with them. They're easy to set up and take down and uh, help keep the mess of using paint and other finishes off the floor and walls of my shop. So I really enjoy that. So that link will be there as well. If you're not already following along with the Maker Mom podcast on Instagram, please do so. Just go ahead, go to Instagram, look up Maker Mom podcast, and you'll find us right there um, where I announce uh, each week's episode so you can make sure you stay current. Uh, Plus, I share other Maker Moms projects when they use the hashtag Maker Mom pod. So if you want to get your project showcased on uh, the Instagram account, just use Maker Mom pod. I check that frequently. And I will share your project with the rest of the tribe. All right, until next week, see you later. Thank you for listening to the Maker Mom podcast. You can connect with the Maker Mom community in the Facebook group page, Maker Moms. And remember, if you enjoyed listening to this episode, please subscribe, leave an awesome review, and share this out with other Maker Moms you know. Mm-hmm.